Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to another episode of the Stucky Podcast. I know it's been a while and, you know, glad that everybody could be here. So today I'm talking about capitalism. And yeah, you know, we live in this capitalistic, uh, white supremacist, patriarchal society and, you know, all that stuff. And but this is kind of the the world that we kind of live in, you know, you can't you can't really you can overthrow the system, but overthrowing the system means that you just don't know what's going to happen after that. It's definitely just trying times this age. And so with that, you know, I, I, I've been in this sort of soul searching and exploratory phase of my life where I'm, I'm reading a lot. I'm doing a whole bunch of different uh, educational and enlightening ventures. Uh, tons of YouTube and Reddit and, and blog rabbit holes on, on Google. Um, and part of it is trying to figure out how to, how to live, how to adult, you know, like, how do you, how do you, or how do you, how do you be an adult the way you are expected to be the way you anticipate it being? Uh, cause we have all these, we have all these ideas and for the most part, they often are pipe dreams and whether you like it or not, these things kind of, a lot of things just kind of go by the wayside when, when things actually happen, you know, when you intend to do something, i.e. Uh, brush your teeth twice a day or uh, put set aside 20% of your paycheck and then life happens. And then it's like, oh, crap, you know, uh, what I intended to do, uh, I mean, working out is a big one, you know, like what I intended to do and what I know I need to do, it, typically, you know, people don't fall through with it. And then it kind of just perpetuates a lot of different things. And then, you know, 20, 30 years down the road, you're sitting at your, you know, sitting on the couch, looking at yourself and asking, you know, how I got to this point. How did I let myself do this? How did I, you know, get to a point like this. And so with the, uh, with what I've been doing, I, I'm a graphic novelist. I, I create comics, I create cartoons. And uh, these are the things that I've been exploring and talking about, uh, where I'm adding, I'm taking research, I'm taking my experiences, I'm taking the experiences of, of other people, the lived experiences, and I'm exploring them in a new way so that people can walk in the shoes of the characters and and follow their journey and see how, you know, disparities take place, how the day-to-day tribulations and struggles uh, force people to make these decisions that they never thought that they would or that they said that they wouldn't. Uh, because it's one of those things, you know, never say never. And so part of part of it is uh, looking at, you know, the society that we live in and how it perpetuates a lot of the different things that we are, you know, seeing in particular groups of people. And so uh, and so, you know, one of the things that kind of stood out with me is, uh, you know, when we're talking about capitalism, uh, we always have to look at the the notion of greed 
because greed is a very, very real dynamic that uh, affects a lot of the people that uh, that live under this umbrella of capitalism. You know, uh, Milton Freeman is a is a very, very you know popular political scientist, independent free thinker, and uh, and. He says that the question is, which system has the greatest chance for enabling poor people to improve their lives? And on that, the evidence of history speaks with a single voice. The freer the system, the better off the ordinary poor people have been. I mean, is that true, though? In many ways, yes. The economy grows and inflation declines. You know, countries become richer, economic successes i.e. what we're seeing now, um, you know, shout out to Stash and, and Robin Hood and all those things that make, uh, you know, stock investing and all that um, much easier. I'm not getting paid for this, but, you know, I'd like to share like what I'm also doing because uh, I actually am able to like, you know, save money. <laughs> and then and that's and that's a really good feeling. Um but from the outside, capitalistic societies uh, look like miracles at work. Harmonious sequences of independent free thinkers are creating opportunities and profiting from them in a scalable fashion. Yet if you dive deeper, the reality is kind of jarring. For the average person, day-to-day -day, harsh realities of life are overshadowed by economic progress seen in, you know, the dollar signs and the Instagram likes and the clout uh, and much of the economic gains accrue to the rich and not the middle or lower class participants. As a result, many were not seeing their lives improve. And so it makes you wonder, like, there are opportunities, but where are those opportunities going? You know, there's there's money, but where is that money going? There's stability, there's peace of mind, there's there's freedom, there's independence, but where does that all consolidate to? And so one of the things that like I've thought about and I've noticed a lot more are, you know, kind of those safety nets. And those safety nets, i.e., you know, I'm, you know, part of that participant structure where, um, you know, sometimes people need help. Sometimes, you know, our parents aren't able to cash out, you know, three, four, five thousand dollars to get us out of bonds. Sometimes we gotta work odd jobs at one o'clock in the morning, you know, till one o'clock in the morning to, you know, like stay sane and stay alive. That stuff is, that stuff is difficult sometimes. And so what happens when you remove those safety nets? Does that improve the prosperity of the free market? Because when you have assistance, you know, that's kind of that's kind of handicapping some of the participants in the in the free market. So it's not, you know, every man for himself. And you know, sometimes you sometimes you need to handicap because it's not a matter of things being equal, because if things were equal, then, you know, we would all have the same stuff, regardless of, 
we would all have the same skills. We would all think the same. We would all do all these things. I think it's a matter of equity because equity means that if you, if some people have a leg up, then there's going to be things in place that allow for others to compete with those that have a leg up. And so when we're talking about safety nets, it, it kind of, I wouldn't say it muddies the water, but it, it does have a, it does have a, a very interesting play. You know, it, it affects the system in an interesting way and there's, and there's pushback for it, you know? If so, for the Western world had, the Western world has touted that capitalism provides the best opportunities for the poor to reach economic freedom. Many citizens are fed the notion that by removing restraints on the free market, they will get the full benefits of the free market, meaning that less regulations means more money for the people. The reality is that removing those restraints ends up making it harder for people to improve their lives because it takes time for the free market to give returns on investments. And that's, that's, that's difficult because, you know, I was at a point, you know, probably a couple years ago where I would love to put aside $20 out of my paycheck, but only made $11 an hour and I had student debt. I was studying for the MCAT. I was trying to apply to medical school. I was doing all these different things. And so 20 bucks might not mean a lot, but for me, that was the difference between me getting two or three pizzas that's going to last me uh, two days or three days uh, to eat or having to, having, to, having to do something else, you know, having to work more all these different things. And so it, it does, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, those, those investments I'm with stash and everything. I I've made, you know, more money. I actually, you know, obviously I have more money in my stash account than I put into it, but that, that was over three years, you know, like you, you gain four or $500 in returns over three years. It's like, that that's that's difficult. That's difficult for somebody that's just trying to make it make it by, to just give money away and then forget about it without having any sort of like immediate return. And so many will go years before they can even cash in on their pensions and benefits of private infrastructures. Often many see in in America and Chile that those who pay into the retirement plans over decades find themselves with returns that are less than the threshold for living in poverty. And so it's like, okay, even if I invest in this stuff, we're, we're dealing with literally a free market, you know, so the market could do whatever the heck it wants and we got to reap the benefits of it, you know, and this affects everyone in the middle class and in the lower class, you know, because those are the ones that are investing their hard earned, hard earned money into something that's, you know, that they need. And so who was affected because of this? You know, marginalized communities, of course. These guardrails are in place to benefit everyone and minimize the effects of greed and corruption. 
And that's that's really what those social safety nets are. Because if you have all the money consolidated within a, you know, small percentage of the population, then those that small percentage of the population is going to work in their self-interest. That is a minority working in the interest of the minority and affecting the majority. And, you know, we, we see that we see that money allows for a minority to control the majority. And you take money out of the picture and that's never the case. And if it's ever if it's ever gotten to the point where it's a op- where it's a option, then there tends to be a lot of pushback for it. And those safe social safety nets tend to be propped up a lot more. And so, you know, obviously there's a there's a oh there's social dynamics, there's racial dynamics, all these different things that affect those. And so you know, it, it, it's it's one of those things, you know, it's just one of those things that's that's just very interesting in society to to notice and be aware of. So social safety nets, they act as an accountability system to make sure that organizations don't try to take advantage of the system to cut expenses and line their pockets with the savings. When that accountability is gone, what is left to balance the power structure? Who's going to fight on behalf of the people that don't have as much? You know, because if you have the money in capitalism, then you have the power. I mean, it's literally in the name. Capital. Power of capital. Which is money. And so when we're talking about privatization, you know, what, like, what is it? You know, the, the idea of privatization comes from the notion that Private companies have the ability to take care of what the government cannot do. Yet we see that that is a real fallacy. It's kind of a pipe dream. We see that privatization may not have people in mind. And that makes sense. I mean, you know, if we're talking about companies or people and people work in their own self-interest, then... Why would we think that companies are going to be thinking about others more than they're thinking about themselves? They say that the operations of the free market is crucial to promote productive efficiency and foster harmony and peace among the people of the world. Can we really believe that, though? With the increase of productivity, we find increased profits, but not increased prosperity. And I mean, look at look at this global economy now to where we have the coronavirus going, going and we have companies trying to save money by cutting costs and not paying local employees. So they'll go and they'll pay somebody that's working for below below the, the asking wage. And then they try to reap the benefits of of scaling that business, making more money and not caring how the impact that it's having. And so now that we have the coronavirus going, it's kind of breaking even, you know, where people can't get the products, people still don't have those jobs. And now it's 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 kind of now it's going to cost more. It's going to cost the cost 
the consumer more to even get their product now, if they could even get it when it's produced. You know, it's, it's, it's a farce. You know, we're, we're seeing rising suicide rates, higher debt-to-income ratios, and lower life morale. More importantly, opportunities for high-quality, stable jobs have definitely declined. Yet, when you listen to conservative news channels, they're eager to boast about the non-existent unemployment rate and how well the economy is doing for all people, especially the blacks. But participating in the system and seeing what they're talking about, you know, I, I don't have a full-time job. I have a whole bunch of contracts. I'm a freelancer. I get 1099s. I got to pay my taxes. I got to pay for my health insurance. I got to do all these things myself. Yeah, it's a free market, but, you know, the opportunities for for doing what they say in terms of stability, it's those are, you know, slim to none. And so the reality is that marginalized communities, particularly black communities, i.e., are hit the hardest because of privatization. Because it allows discrimination to be more discreet. Understanding that white supremacy is alive and well, as we all know, the people behind these companies have the power to make decisions without accountability. And that perpetuates those disparities and affects generations of marginalized people. All it takes is for a company that gets subsidized by the government to have an executive officer that believes black people are inferior to white people to taint the system. That simple. Denying black people contracts and giving priority to white contractors without any oversight is why we see what we see today. And I wouldn't say that it plagues specifically the black community, but you know that if we're talking about black and white here, where we see that white is on top and black always tends to be at the bottom and across any metric, you know, you have to look at what the lowest common denominator is. Ultimately, is that good for society? And does that live up to the mission that we have for capitalism? Is that true capitalism? And, you know, one could, one could argue that because the foundations of this country are, are built literally on the backs of slaves. And so if we're following the line, if we're following the numbers, you know, yeah, there's growth, but how is that relative to, how is that relative to other populations? You know, is it a steady growth for one population compared to another? Can they be compared? As one population grows, then the other population will? You know, how, how, how does that actually, how does that actually play out? What do the numbers look like? What we need to understand is that the idea of capitalism that we know of is an American creation. It's a good. It's a service created and exported from the U.S. The idea of capitalism was embraced so much that they spread the idea of the free market to every part of the world they had influence in. When others buy into them, some things work, but others, rather most, things fall flat on their face. 
And usually they fall through the cracks too. And so the big question is whether more capitalism is better or is there a point where too much goes too far? And if so, you know, who pays for that? And so when we're talking about these things, uh, well, when I'm talking about these things, um, you know, I, I, I try to figure out what is, not necessarily what is a solution, but how does, how does the world turn? How does the world exist? How does, how does the world work? What are the procedures in which you can anticipate things happening under a particular structure, under a system? Because for me, I'm, I'm very math-oriented, and so I always ask myself, if I, have a, if I have a problem, what are the rules of the environment so that I can come to a solution? And so when you understand how the world works and how capitalism works, then you're able to navigate that so that you can find solutions to the problems that you have within that structure. You know, for me, I used to play football and if I wasn't fast enough or I was, if I wasn't figuring something out, if I had a problem, it would always be, okay, what are the rules that you need to know with football? One, it's very physical, so you probably want to work out. Two, it's, you know, you have to think about things, you have to have split second decisions. So you probably have to say your playbook and you have to do that under high stress. You know, so, and you need a lot of reps and you need to do these things in order to do that. So, you know, those are, those are the things that I kind of add to my exploration of this. And so if you haven't checked out my webcomic and I'm getting ready to publish, you know, the next couple of books and uh, augmented reality up, you know, so I'm pretty excited about that. But if you have not checked it out, uh, it's at Iltopia Studios, so I-L-T-O-P-I-A dot com, Iltopia dot com, and the app is called Island Fever. The web series is Island Fever as well, so you can find all that at Iltopia dot com. If you have, you know, iPhone or Android, go to the App Store, and it's E-Y-E-L-N-D-F-E-E-V-R, Island Fever. So without further ado... Check out many of the other things that I got going on, you know, building apps, working on games, augmented reality stuff, graphic novel stuff, trying to get into medical school. Uh, check those out in the description below. And follow me on Instagram at I-L-T-O-P-I-A. And without that, yeah. Adios. Subscribe. Follow, check me out on uh, Google, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, all that. So, deuces.